Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, snowflakes, cave dwellers, Ramonas. <laughs> How are you doing, Steve? I'm 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 good. We're, it's a, it's an exciting political week, isn't it? There's tons going on. We're we'll to that. Then We're embroiled in scandal. We um, are. Well, not you and me. Oh, well, I well, thought you'd find out then. Not for publication, <laughs> anyway. Um, scandal and debate. It's it's uh, yeah. It's there's lots of stuff going on. Later on, I want to chat to Jerry about the importance of the Lords. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll crown a Brexit of the week. Uh, yes, we will. But first, let's get to the news. Yeah, a big week, as I've said. Poor old Amber Rudd, eh? Amber Rudd. She's, she's facing a hostile environment and most likely a swift removal. Well, do, so Which do you, is, you know... Do you think that's what's going to happen? Ironic, though? isn't it? She's on the ropes as we record this. Do you think that her days are numbered? Uh, well, I think, look, I th- I, the, the stuff about targets in the Home Office, uh, which has come out and which Amber Rudd sort of insisted that she didn't know very much about if yeah. anything if if she's if that's proven to be not true um then she's clearly she clearly will go yeah she's just had the the vote of com- dreaded vote of confidence from Theresa May hasn't she which is um <laughs> yeah. which is you know that's that is not that's not something i would say on on amber rudd i would say if if you are being ridiculed for not knowing basic facts by Diane Abbott. Yes, it might be time to <laughs> consider your position. That, um, was, that was funny, wasn't it? It was funny. The, I mean, the Home Affairs Committee session was a shambles. She was all it over was the place. A, it was a disaster for Amber Rudd, no, who's, who's quite a confident yeah, performer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, she, and, and, and we're, we're sort of fans of Amber Rudd, aren't we, on the pod? Because yeah, I think she's, she's a sensible voice in Cabinet with regards to Brexit. Yeah. But she was all over the place um, at, at, the, at the committee. And, um, I mean, I did. Fe- that was the first time I really feared for a job, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, because it looks like... You know, if, if you take her at a word, she didn't know what was going on inside her own department, and that is fairly, that is fairly scandalous, isn't it? Yeah. But and, and as Diane, you know, to give Diane Abbott her credit, at least as we spoke about on this podcast last week, at least she remembered the quote from Lord Carrington, who said it was a matter of honour yeah. over the Falklands, the, the matter of honour, and it's about time people start taking responsibility, isn't it? Do you think that? Um, do you think that she'll be? Properly shot 
actually you... physically shot? No, I don't. I <laughs> think don't. that is going too far. All oh, right. Well, Gavin yeah, yeah. Williamson, you know, he's the defence secretary now. I imagine he's taking it like he did when he was the chief whip and he was sharpening she may, she may awake to find the tarantula crawling <laughs> over her face like James Bond in... Um, Do you reckon Williamson breaks into... Was it like was it? I don't know. Williamson breaks into... Other cabinet members' bedrooms. Is that what you're I'm not saying he does it personally, but he said, what, he just sends, sends Cronus out there by himself. He's absolutely. Right, he's a clever spider. He can't isn't he? be. You know, he's a spider of his own mind. <laughs> he knows what he needs to do. He does. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. It's good. If he was actually a sentient henchman for Gavin Williamson, <laughs> that would be tremendous, wouldn't it? <laughs> Um, like chuckling, like um, yeah, yeah, what yeah. was the dog in um, in uh, Wacky Races? Motley, Motley, yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I prefer his little spider legs yeah. all wriggling <laughs> in excitement. I prefer, <laughs> I preferred um, <laughs> Dick Dastardly and Motley in um, Stop That Pigeon. Ca- is it Catch the Pigeon? Catch the Pigeon. Yeah, what yeah, what yeah. a show that was! What the, with the bloke who couldn't talk, who was a bit like um, John Prescott. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to catch the whoop, 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 yeah. pigeon chief. <laughs> He was great, yeah. Why is that not on TV anymore? I don't know. It's fantastic because we were talking earlier well, about wacky races. Also, Dustin and Motley. That was the that was the best one. I Instead th- of wacky racists, which is obviously UKIP. So yeah, yeah. Well, you can if you look, if you go on you, on uh, Wikipedia, you can find out who won, won the most races on. Um, can you on, on wacky, wacky races? And they were very fair. They handed them out quite quite evenly. Did they? Yeah. Who was who? Who won? Peter Perfect the no, most was it? All? No, I, I, see, I thought it's bound to be Peter. But Penelope pit stop. No, I think it was those uh, cavemen. Oh, the cavemen. I think it was. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Captain Caveman and his mate. Yeah. And Dick Dastardly never won one. No, he didn't. He, he was always nearly always did. Very close. Skid on some oil, or his tyres would get punctured. Or whatever. Anyway, enjoy, are you enjoying this Hanna Barbera podcast? Shall we? <laughs> shall we talk about? Shall we go back to? I mean, one of the reasons that we're talking about this right at the top, obviously, is a, a, a huge thing. But the front page of the, the of the the New European um, New European gets printed on a Wednesday, and it comes out on a Thursday. And uh, about with about two hours to go, an hour and a half to go on uh, before we we sort of sent it off to the, the presses on. Wednesday morning, Matt Kelly, who's our editor, was reading this piece from uh, Yasmin uh, Alibi-Brown about Windrush uh, and Perfidious Albion and all of that. And just essentially, we we, we changed the front page right at the last minute. It's a massively powerful piece by by Yasmin. I would urge you to pick up the newspaper this week. Um, £2.50 from all good news agents. And it is a really stunning indictment of how this country treats um, uh, its its immigrants uh, and 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 refugees. I mean, there's a stunning there's a stunning uh, bit of stats in it, isn't there? Towards the end, where Yasmin is talking about our refugee intake, Germany uh, takes it, it takes in three thousand nine hundred and forty five uh, refugees per million of their population. Austria and Sweden almost the same. Malta takes in one thousand seven hundred and seventy. Uh, refugees per million of their population and in the UK we take in 240 mm. and I mean that is a remarkable the, figure The wider question though and this is something that obviously uh, Corbyn has been uh, well he's on a sticky wicket isn't he on this one but he's well, been he, we, we, maybe we'll touch on that but he um, he's been trying to widen this out from Windrush hasn't he to say to basically accuse the, the government of being institutionally racist yes um and you know that's what he did at, at pmqs last week and kind of failed but then this week more so with a little bit more success but not not hugely yeah um 
it does, it's starting to feel a bit like that, isn't it? And what does that say about the, com- the country more widely? I mean, the the feeling I got from from Yasmin's piece was, is, is this is Britain a racist country? I mean, well, uh, that's, that's a very it's a very big question, isn't it? But you've got to say that all the evidence points to us having treated these people disgracefully. Yeah, um, you know, just. Uh, just uh, just a few minutes ago, I was watching this th- th- this Home Office video for people who've been deported j- to Jamaica, where it makes it quite clear that you know they start talking about people who have been deported to Jamaica who've not lived in Jamaica for twenty five and thirty years, and that is clearly you know they're clearly talking to the the Windrush generation. Yeah. Um, it's I think it, if anything good comes out of this, it opens up a much needed debate about um, immigration. Absolutely. Um, and and hopefully we can get to some of the the truth about this you know um again you know i've heard some uh, i've heard somebody just heard somebody ranting on sky news about how immigrants clog up schools they clog up the housing list mm. they're bad for the country they mm. clog up the nhs there's absolutely no, no evidence. evidence of any no. of this no. and all of the studies have, that have been done show that, that that migrants bring a huge positive uh a benefit to this country. We talked about some of the statistics on that last week. So if that opens that up, then that is fine. There's lots of... I, I, on this, and, I, and I've written this a few times in the past few weeks, I think there's lots of people to, to blame about Windrush. I don't think it's just this particular Tory administration. I think there were some manoeuvres uh, late on in, in Labour's 13-year term that weren't, weren't particularly nice either. But the other thing yep. about it is I, I can completely understand why this has happened. Because... Fear mm. wins elections. It does. D- really, only two things do: fear and hope. Yeah, and yeah. fear is easier yeah. than hope. So, what what politicians have done, and what certain elements of the media have done, is scare people about nasty immigrants coming and stealing their jobs and their absolutely, um, you know, and, and their places to live and, and changing their communities. All of which, as you said, there's no evidence towards. But if you ke- if you keep banging on about it, people start believing it. I mean, I. The this, this stuff you'll hear about, oh, they get straight off the boat, they get a free car, you know, they get, they get help and their kids are all paid for to go for universe. Utter nonsense. Fantasy, top of the, uh, the top of the housing list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute utter, utter nonsense. But it wins elections. It does win elections. But, you know, the, the, the flip side of this is, is what has happened and what is coming out, you know, that we're, we're sort of lifting up the carpet now and seeing everything crawling around underneath it and as Yasmin Alibi Brown brilliantly says in this piece which I urge you to, to read in the New European please buy it say, she says cruelty towards refugees asylum seekers migrants and settlers has been normalised Theresa May stands up as the high priestess of integrity and pretends to care uh, and uh, and yeah and, and you're right look the hostile environment phrase it did originate in uh, in the, the sort of back end of the uh, last Labour government, but it was enthusiastically seized on by, by oh, Theresa yeah. May. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I need to I need to repeat what I, I need to change what I said last week because I said Amber Rudd shouldn't resign yeah. and Theresa May should resign. Amber yeah. Rudd should resign, but Theresa May, who's the architect of this and queen of this fear and mm-hmm. this hostile environment, should definitely go. It's a total disgrace. I mean, we've mentioned this. On numerous occasions on the pub before about how she's obsessed with getting the getting the figures down to the tens of thousands, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, the, the, and and now we're hearing this phrase, you know, low hanging fruit. Were they going after low hanging yeah, yeah, fruit? Yeah. Well, I mean, 
it's a very, it's a very worry. I thought we'd have, we'd have probably nailed this by now, but it's this is getting into three weeks now, and it's uh, it's a it's a big issue for Theresa May. She's it in, is. She's in a pickle with she's it. She's in a she's in big trouble, and rightly she's so. In big trouble. Okay. I mean, she's to to move on. She's she would also be in big trouble in that we're recording this during the debate about the customs union, yeah. and we decided that we would just go ahead and do this now, and rather than wait for the result of the vote, because. You know, it was always a non-binding debate, wasn't it, this one? And Number 10 and the Chief Whip's office have basically told the Conservative MPs that they can go out campaigning in the local elections rather than turning up yeah. today to hear this really important debate in a, in a, you know, I suppose they think that's clever. Well, I mean, yeah, they probably do. <laughs> but, but, I mean, this debate is it's great. It's on, like you say, it's ongoing. So I, I can't really commentate on it particularly. But the, um, but it's it's useful, I think, for all sides really. And I hope that we get some brave voices standing up and saying things that maybe the whips weren't expecting them to say. Because yes. next month, um, it will matter. Yes. And um, <clears throat> I mean, I've spoken to a few uh, Tory MPs this week. In fact, it was um, Sir Henry Bellingham. Um, I was speaking to the other day. Um, he was kind of having a go at whoever the source was from Number Ten, who, who said that you know we're going to make it into a confidence vote. Yeah. Um, he said that was nonsense, but actually that was a clever move, and it's not nonsense at all because if if suddenly those wavering Tories have got to think about whether or not they bring down a prime minister and potentially a government, mm. then yeah. So the so the manoeuvres by the Whip's office and by Number Ten are actually, have actually been quite clever on this politically, but the issue of getting a proper Debate in front of the public, you know, is is been scuppered somewhat by by the Tories. We'll have to wait another few weeks before we get that. Yeah, do, I do mean, th- there's fascinating inner war, isn't there? It's, yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's like a shit version of Avengers: Civil War, basically. <laughs> is it? Well, I think so. Yeah. I I, I can't say I've know. never seen anything. Theresa the May, Avengers. the Black Widow. Well, no, Who's the Hulk? Crow, Boris, obviously. Hulk. The Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see Boris in just his ripped just his pants. ripped, torn underpants. Yeah, that would be terrible. That would be awful. Um, Although many people have seen Boris in anyway. Let's not. Well, let's not uh, yeah. Let's not. Um, let's not slander the foreign secretary. No, that'd be difficult to do. Actually, wouldn't it? <laughs> really, Boris really hard. Yeah. Well, yes. Got, uh, this is perilous times for Theresa May on the customs union because if she is beaten. Mm. Then um, Jacob Rees-Mogg and his bonkers lot have basically said they're going to trigger a leadership. Um, yes, <laughs> you know if we're having if we're staying in a customs union, there will be a leadership challenge. Yes, there will be, and it's going to be tight this vote. It really could go either way. It could. So go it really way. is a it really is a confidence vote. Yes. Because I, 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 yes, but it shouldn't really be a confidence vote, should it? No, it should be a free vote. It's it once again actual debate is attempting to be crushed, isn't it? By um, you know, a, se- a, a sensible debate. This this notion that I think you know Tim Shipman wrote about this um, uh, in the Sunday Times last weekend, and it's carried on as a theme through the week. And the various lunatics on the the, the, the hard Brexit headbangers are sort of pushing this notion, aren't they? That Theresa May really wants a customs union after all, yeah. and she's you know the, the tinfoil helmets are on, and, yeah, yeah. and it's either a degree of she wouldn't be that bothered if the vote. She lost the vote. Yeah. Uh, to she's actually been scheming this all along, and yeah. uh, 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 and I think that's clearly nonsense, isn't yeah, it? You know, yeah. 
I think that is absolutely I mean, it, nonsense. Well, she's been going on about how we're definitely leaving the customs union. Yeah, it's one of the one things she. It couldn't be. It couldn't be much clearer. No, and th- and that's still the official line, of course. Um, it is. And and if that isn't the case, then at the very least, it's going to be hugely embarrassing for the prime minister. Yes. Um, it is going to be very embarrassing, and and, and you know the facts are, look, the the. The, leaving the customs union was not on the ballot paper, was it? No. There were mixed messages. Even Brexiteers were saying, no one's saying we're leaving the customs exactly. union. Exactly. There was mixed messages. You know, Liam Fox was in favour of the customs union in, in uh, 2012, I believe. David Davis said we should stay in the customs union in 2012. There's a long list of Boris, Dan, Daniel Hannan, all of these people talking about some access to a single market and the customs union. Um, the fact is that apart from the, the the sort of the hard Brexit wing of the party, there's nobody else that does that really wants us to leave the customs union, no. is there? No. Look at the CBI, the, the National Farmers Union. Somebody was talking going through this. It was the uh, the, the SNP parliamentary leader, wasn't it? Um, was talking about this the other day. The Scottish government, the Welsh government, clearly the the, the Northern Ireland uh, and the Republic of Ireland. Yeah. Uh, and eighty-five uh, percent of British manufacturers yeah. want yeah. to stay in the, the customs union. Um, the the other, one of the other bizarre things about this is there are a couple of things that, that really I've been struggling to get my head round with this. One of them is David Davis. We'll return to his performance in a minute. Yeah. One of them is this new idea, which I think John Redwood and Jacob Rees-Mogg have both espoused in the last couple of days, is that. We must leave the customs union because our trade with the rest of the world, with non-EU countries, is growing and therefore it's a mixed opportunity. Now, we're in the customs union now, so if our trade with the rest of the world is currently growing, what's to stop us being in the customs union, not paying any tariffs to the rest of the EU countries and not charging them for tariffs and having all this infrastructure problem and parking, completely getting rid of this Northern Ireland border issue? And just continuing to trade with the rest of the world. I know. It's, while it's, inside the customs union. It's bonkers. Am I mad? I mean, it's, uh, an MP... There, there's lots of stats that just don't add up and stuff being floated by lots of MPs. Another MP, I won't name, this week came up with a with a, a beauty to me on the phone and said, well, we should be putting all our energies into the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth w- w- is growing and will be um, a larger economic force than the EU before long anyway. Was that because we're going to deport so many people by there? Well, I said, I said, where on earth is yeah. that? Where on earth is this going from? Well, it just is. It's nonsense. Yeah, and I can fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just utter nonsense. Utter nonsense. I've like said it. utter nonsense a lot on this pod already. We have. Before, talking of utter nonsense, before we move on to David Davis, by the way. Yeah. Can we talk about Peter from Berry for a minute? Because Peter from Berry is. You can find this on Twitter. It's absolutely superb. Peter from Berry rang into LBC yeah. and he said that he had a solution to the Irish border problem and they went, well, what is it? I think it was James O'Brien, actually, yeah. who was probably the one LBC presenter. It was He couldn't really have tried this on. And he said, I've got this solution to it, and he, uh, the, the Irish border problem, people coming and going. And he just said, and they said, what is it? And he said, you microchip the, the population. <laughs> and, it, and he was serious. Maybe just line them up and just do it in their, their ear like that. Dystopian future. Yeah, I imagine Peter is will be starting his own show on LBC uh, from next week. Well, that's a great. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there are. I mean, there could be some plus sides to microchipping the 
or community. Yeah. Well, what? Well, if you get lost. Yeah. Just like with a cat, you know. Oh, it's a, oh, that's it's right. Yeah, your yeah. Owners. yeah. Uh, it's not really going to fly, is it? I, I tell you what else you could do. You can uh, believe it or not, right? You can use your mobile phone to pay for stuff. Did you know that? Yes. Right. Well, you just so if you had a microchip yeah. in your ear, yeah. you could just bend down. <laughs> well, it'd be easier if it was in your hand, probably. All right. And you could just, you know, put it over that tap. And I like the ear thing better. Thing. You if you were on the bus and you had to put your ear to the little thing, that that would be excellent. Well, to get in and out of this wonderful office that we have, you yeah. have to you have to put put a card, don't you, against a, you to do. release the door to get out of the back door. Yeah. And I I have it in my wallet, and I have, have a little. I've nailed it so much that I can just I can walk past, do a little jump a little and shuffle. turn, and my my ass bleeps and the door opens. No. So I'm gonna. <laughs> oh well. There you go. So I'm gonna have my microchip in my ass. Excellent, I look forward to that. Um, talking of arses, David Davis, should we get on to him now? Yeah. Because he has sort of widened this out, hasn't he? The, the other interesting thing about the customs union that's emerged this week is that we sort of we 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 sort of thought, didn't we, that this the final vote on the on the Brexit deal would just be a sort of yes and no. But now David Davis is is has indicated that it it could be wider than that, hasn't he? And it, there could be all manner of amendments could be yeah. proposed, yeah. and Parliament could vote on all of this, and yeah. you know the customs union could be included in this, and 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 this seems to me me to be a quite an extraordinary development. But I'm just wondering whether it's just something else that David yeah. Davis has made up on the way. I, I think that probably is true. He just went. It just, yes, it'll have a. I've I've been drafting the bill now, and but also, what? How long is that going to take? Well. I'm, <laughs> Wait, so that, These people have seem to have no no um, not really any understanding no. that we've got less than a year. Well, we've much less than a year to get this all sorted. Yeah, yeah. He, he um, the, one of the things that he did in the, in the Brexit committee before he made this revelation was he sat down as he's done numerous times before, and um, and he said, "I'll we better make this brief because I've got an important somewhere. meeting," <laughs> which didn't go down too well, did it, with Hillary? Ben, is he doing it on purpose? Is it just a little, like a little? Bit? It might be a little dig. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny though, isn't it? But as all you know, New European podcast dear listener, you've you've probably done this before. But when somebody important that you don't really get on with That's says never happened says, no. well, you know, <laughs> say, says, should we go for a quick drink after work? What yeah. about it? And yeah. you and you go. Yeah, great because you feel polite, but you you, you do say, "Oh, I've, I've got to go. I'm playing squash at seven o'clock, so I better just have one quick orange yeah, juice and go." Yeah. Um, or when you somebody schedules a meeting that you for you that you think is not going to go that well for you, and you you immediately schedule a meeting directly afterwards, afterwards don't you? Yeah, 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 so you yeah. go, you know, so justifiably five minutes from the end, you've got to go. Oh, sorry, I must rush for another meeting, and yeah. you can stop shouting at me now. And it seems to me that David Davis thinks this that this is a, is a brilliant wheeze that he's the first to think of. Also, it's just dawned on me why you only have one orange juice and then dash off in your squash gear when, yeah, when I we know, go for yeah. a drink. That's, sorry about that, yeah, sorry. You've taken it to great lengths, though. Or are you actually going to play squash? I'm, I've never played squash in my life. <laughs> but you've bought a racket I've and all the gear, little and shorts. And... It's my very white, tight white shorts, <laughs> like Andrew Ridgely in his pump. <laughs> you do remind me of I'm Andrew I'm very Ridgely. similar to Andrew Ridgely. Um, the other thing, David Davis, this week, before we move on, um, 
he went to Northern Ireland. Did you? I, I don't yeah. think this has had the, the <laughs> coverage that it deserves. This is brilliant. He went to Northern Ireland. He's not been to Northern Ireland before in the 22 months that he's been the Brexit secretary. Well, why would he? Well, it's not like there's anything important going no, no. on with the border or no. anything. Um, but he's, he failed to tell anyone that he was coming, any local politicians. Yeah. And uh, he went to, uh, to County Armagh. Now, it's actual. It's actually in the ministerial code that if you go to somebody's seat, you have to tell them that you're yeah. coming. He didn't tell Mickey Brady, who's the local MP for uh, Sinn Féin, uh, and he's had to apologise um, for that. And it, it, the whole visit went down really well. The SDLP leader, Mark Durkin, uh, said he'd just come for a photo in his album, and there were, <laughs> in fact, numerous photos of him surveying the Irish border. Um, so... Having not been for 22 months to somewhere that is right at the heart of all of this madness, he went, he had his picture taken, he didn't tell anyone who'd come in, he broke the ministerial code, he's had to apologise, and it, this is just a sneak preview, isn't it, of how everything <laughs> will be smoothly run and everything will work so well after Brexit. Did he tell anyone, or did he just turn up and take selfies? I think he just went, yeah, On his basically, own. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He just does what he wants, a maverick. He's, he's a maverick, yeah. But also, I think we probably need to make it clear that it's only if the MPs are doing something work-related. I mean, when they're on their way home on the train to, like, Abbey Oh, yeah, Uber, yeah, yeah. They don't have to ring up each yeah. each MP whose constituency they're travelling through. Yeah, and no, not them. if you're on a uh, not yeah. if you're on a plane or in yeah. a hot air balloon. Yeah, you don't... <laughs> Because <laughs> that'd be what oh, no, oh, oh, no. oh, I've crossed the border. Oh, oh. We're all east. Hang on, who's that? We're all west. <laughs> Should we talk about Len? Yeah, talking of, talking of idiots. Yeah. This is an, this is fascinating, isn't it? Um, so this is in the New Statesman. Um, the United. <laughs> God, why did he do it? Well, we, uh, the we United, know. Why he well, did I it. think I know. Yeah, the Unite um, boss uh, Len McCluskey. Um, who we were desperately hoping would uh, tell Jeremy to to tighten up his Brexit stance, weren't we? Yes, if we would. Yeah. We're still hoping. We're still hoping. Still yeah. hoping. Um, but he, he has uh, he got involved in this anti-Semitism row um, by saying that it appears that, that you know Labour moderates or the sensible wing of Labour Party, as I like to call them, have, are, are using this to smear the leadership. Hmm. Different than what Jeremy said in his Evening Standard column, certainly, and um, has said elsewhere, yes. uh, as he's tried yeah. finally to get a little bit tougher on this. But, I mean, is this Len talking... Is this Corbyn talking through, through Len? Len? Well, it, it, look, it, that's the way that it's going to be interpreted, yeah. isn't it? And that's, that's the way it, it reads. It, it's, reads like a, it does look, read like a coded message. There's not really anything to worry about carry on as normal. I mean, the tone deafness of Len McCluskey is, is yeah. just a remarkable thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there, I mean, there are two aspects to this. One, one I'll, I'll come on to in a minute. One, in, in denying, in the, in the current climate, denying that there really is a real problem with anti-Semitism in the Labour Party is it just is remarkable. And, and... Keir Starmer is absolutely right when he says that it, that denying that there is even a problem is part of the problem. And Len McCluskey has made himself part of the problem. And yeah. I don't really understand, yeah. to, to loosely defend Jeremy Corbyn, I don't understand this. The second thing is, is twice this week there, there have been statements that sound vaguely sort of 
gangsterish, don't they? One of them was when Jacob Rees-Mogg, who I know you're going to be talking yeah. about later on yeah. with, with Jerry, said the, the Lord, their lordships are playing with fire and it would be a shame to burn down a historic house, mm. which I, I can't remember. I think it might have been Michael Deacon from The Telegraph, you know, said that played like, you know, a, 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 gang, a cartoon gangster saying, oh, it's yeah. a nice little house of lords you've got here, it'd be a shame if something happened yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the, the other bit, the other thing that sounded really similar to me was when Len McCluskey says, I look with disgust at the behaviour of the Corbyn-hater MPs um, who are calling out anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, and I understand why there is a growing demand for mandatory selection, uh, re-selection. And he presumably thinks that that is in some way threatening and it's going to make send a well, it, shiver of cold fear down people's backs. It, it is threatening. Well, it is, but it's threatening in the way that Hale and Pace doing the management were threatening, rather than in the you know in the. It's not really blow full Blofeld, is it? No, but the but the, that issue of reselection is is just one of numerous issues in the Labour Party that stand to tear it apart. Frankly, yeah. He also said, didn't he? You'd have to go back a long way in history to find a, such a sustained attack. By MPs on their own leader, and I, I think you, well, you just have to go back a, a few years when Jeremy Corbyn, John McDonnell, yeah. and, and and Len McCluskey were having to go at Tony Blair every yeah, week. Yeah. Shut up. Working overtime, trying to present the Labour Party as a morass of misogyny, anti-Semitism, and bullying. Well, they're said. not, are they? They're well, they're not. Trying but there's clearly trying to tackle a problem. All, all, all you've got to do is go on social media to find out that Labour has got some issues here. Yeah. And I tell you how. To, right, Jeremy, you've been on this podcast, so I know you listen now. Yes, he's a listener. Keen he's listener. Definitely. This is what. This is how you sort it out, Jezza. Right. Set up a little group of people, three or four. That's all it'll take. And sit them down at a table, and next to them get a list or database, however you do it, of all the members of the Labour Party. Right? Mm. Then, if someone is anti-Semitic, someone who is being attacked can report it to those three people. They can check if they're in the Labour Party, yeah. and then you can turf them out. It's easy, get rid isn't of it, really? Them. Yeah, it's dead easy. And do, I tell you what, do that once, and you'll 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 weed out a lot of psychopaths. The problem is, and I think the concern for Jeremy Corbyn is. That you also lose a lot of members. Yeah, well, there are a lot of them are his, his, his supporters. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, so yes, Labour are far from sorting this problem. A problem that should have been sorted years ago and could be sorted really easily. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, it, it must be said to just to, to round this all off, and that it, it's not been an amazing week for Jeremy Corbyn uh, because of that. When he should have been making hay with the Windrush thing. Um, the yeah. uh, you know it, it's a it's a solid line to say that Britain is uh, presenting a, a racist face and that all of this has, has been widened out so much the hostile environment thing and to blame Theresa May the the real thing that's really cut through this week um, has been Amber Rudd um, denying all knowledge of these uh, targets and all of that and the person who has looked most like the leader of the Labour Party this week both in the customs union debate that I was watching earlier on. And uh, yesterday in the Windrush debate has been Yvette Cooper, and it's a it's a real shame that Yvette Cooper is not the leader of the Labour Party and will never be the la- leader of the Labour Party. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in the current climate. Yeah. Okay, Jerry is next. Stay angry, fight Brexit, subscribe to the New European. Your first thirteen issues of the New European are only thirteen pounds when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling zero one eight five eight. 438840 and quoting podcast one 
or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Jerry. Jerry, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Really good. Really good. Really good. I'm excited for the two bits of gossip that you're going to find out later. <laughs> but you can't tell me. I can me. see it's energised I shall put them on the end of the podcast after uh, the bagpipes next week, listener. It's very difficult because we have a gossip before the podcast every week and it's, uh, it's a good job the microphone's not running. Well, sometimes it is. <laughs> sometimes it is. Um, we're going to talk about the Lords generally, but the the reason we wanted to talk about this was because of this extraordinary statement. Steve's just mentioned it, actually, that Jacob Rees-Mogg made this week, yes. where he, he, he said, and I might be paraphrasing slightly here, he said, the peers are playing with fire. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to be careful they don't burn down their house. Yeah. Um, uh, rather threatening isn't it it is a bit um it's our favorite uh victorian era caricature isn't he yeah, is uh yeah. entertaining to the end um of course the chair of the hardcore european research group yeah which is the um never-ending source of hilarity in the form of whatsapp screenshots yes <laughs> they love a red line as well don't oh, they? oh they like a red line love um a red line but yeah uh, jacob Rees-Mogg has basically said that he thinks uh the public will think sorry that the lords has uh, very little legitimacy if peers keep making amendments to the brexit bill right so why should the lords make amendments to it we touched on this last week actually but why what what let's go into it a bit further what why is it so important I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that you want a, an answer better than it's their job. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that is the truth. It is their job. But what exactly yeah. is their job? So it's checks and balances, isn't it? They're, they're, they're the unelected chamber that, you know, all legislation goes past them. They make amendments, pass it back. Yada, yada, yada. That's how our system works. And it's worked pretty well for quite a long time. Yeah. I went, I did a little history lesson last week on a pod that you weren't involved in. Yes, I was away. You were missed. Alas. I was um, I was in Copenhagen. Yes, and was it nice? It was very nice, thank you Good. very much. Um whereby we talked about uh when um the Lords were flooded with Liberals way back in nineteen twelve, eleven mm. for the Parliament Act to get through because they, they were they were scuppering a um new taxation laws for wealthy landowners. Um but this is very different from that. They, what they're doing is they're they're shaking this bill yeah. and seeing which bits fall off, yeah. which is healthy and sensible. If it you ask healthy. me, it is healthy. I mean, if if those if those parts of the bill don't stand up to scrutiny, then they should be taken back again and looked yeah. at again. It's yeah. only it's only how it should be. Now we've not got time. We've talked about the EU withdrawal bill and where and the stages it's at and stuff. We mm-hmm. haven't got time for masses of ping pong on this. And of course, yeah. the Commons can overrule the law. Yes, of course. Um, but nonetheless, this gives a voice, and it, and and one of the most important things about this bill, about this bill, is the fact that it gets debated and the public hear that debate because it was a debate that really wasn't wasn't conducted when it should have been, mm-hmm. which was during the referendum campaign. Yeah, hundred percent. So it is being now. Lords are saying sensible things. Um, they're they're doing. I, I think the government would have been surprised by the majority that, um, that on, on the um, customs union yeah. um, amendment. Um, but I don't think they'd be surprised that these things are getting thrown back. And sensible MPs will see it as the Lords doing their job, yeah. and then the Commons doing their job. Yeah. And obviously, there is a debate ongoing about the um, customs union in in the Commons as well. There is. The problem you've got is that you do have people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, you've got UKIP leader uh, Gerard Batten, who has 
fumed that the lords were signing their own death warrant. There's a petition up that is <clears throat> calling for a referendum, not another one, oh, on the yeah. abolition of the lords. But that's actually got the over 100,000 signatures, so it can be debated at Westminster. Brilliant. And, you know, if I was on a podcast for another for another newspaper, I might be um, calling the Lords unaccountable, unelected, out of touch, frustrating the will of the people. But it's not, is it? It's What it actually is, is measured, thoughtful consideration of rushed legislation that's been rushed through on a slim majority. I mean, it works both ways, this, doesn't it? Because yeah. if there was a majority of Brexiteers in the Lords, mm-hmm. um, then... We might be we might be saying something different as well. So the larger, the bigger question about whether the lords should do fixed terms or whether they are elected, where mm-hmm. do you stand on that? Oh, it's I don't think they should be elected because I think then you know the I think one of the beauties of the lords is that although there obviously are a lot of um, lords that align themselves with particular parties they're not as constrained to those party lines and you've got plenty of you know independents and crossbenchers as well and i think it's a freer chamber it's a freer chamber and if if it was elected you get the exact same problem that you've got in the commons and you kind of get rid of the point of them. Would it be a mirror image almost of um of of the commons then i don't see how it couldn't be yeah and i mean i think the, the the point of it is that they are often former MPs, yes, or people who have who have uh, have achieved something in a certain specialism mm-hmm. and add a real sense of expertise, um, rather than just being part of a party political machine. And whilst in the Commons we're seeing, you know, these amendments, well, although there were obviously a lot of amendments tabled, but the whips did their job and you know, it kind of passed through quite pristinely to the Lords. There's yeah. been seven defeats so far yeah. the government's had on the Brexit bill. Yeah. I mean, the Henry VIII powers yeah. is one yeah. of them, isn't it? Which, you know, is a, was a significant power grab. Um, and, you know, there's, yeah, like you say, the customs union stuff as well, which actually, for all the bluster coming from Leavers was quite tentatively worded. It was, it was, really. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Could have been a lot harder. Yeah, it was on, on keeping a customs <clears> union <throat> with the EU. And then, um, yeah, there was also stuff wasn't there on right, the protecting rights um, yeah. under EU retained law. So, you know, they're not blocking Brexit, which is the accusation that's coming from a lot of a lot of people. The thing is that the, that the Brexiteers, the, the likes of Rees-Mogg and some of the right-wing press, etc., etc., are realise that they've still got a fight on their hands here. Yeah. So labelling them... I mean, we're back to the old saboteurs and traitors again, aren't we? Which, pleasingly, one of those votes was on the anniversary of, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> that pleased me a lot, that did. <laughs> so Good crushing. It is. It, 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 again, it appears to be outrage at, at people who are, uh, you know, experts, um, arguably scrutinising something yeah, and trying to do what they think is the best yeah. for their country. Now, you may, you, it's fine to disagree with them. Of course. And there's plenty of times I've disagreed with the Lords. But but you, but just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean you should burn their house down. No. Does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Which seems to be what uh, Mr Rees-Mogg yeah. is suggesting. It does have repercussions, though. And... For me, I think the question is that 
when these issues do go back to the Commons, can the government muster the votes to override them? Um, well, therein <laughs> lies the one of the well, biggest yeah. questions facing Theresa May. Of course. Um, but to kind of underline how easy it might be to, for the Lords to put pressure on, you know, pro-EU MPs and, above all, Tory MPs, is um, the new clause in the Trade Bill, which is actually a lot tougher than the amendment the Lords have made. Yeah. Um, and there are 10 Tory MPs which are signed up to that, and that's actually enough to cancel out their DUP yeah. majority, which, yeah. you know, you can see why you can see why um, Leavers are scared. Oh, yeah, I can, I can absolutely see. I can see why the Conservative Party is scared as well, because yeah. if, the, if so, the, the more that come back amended, the, the more there is a likelihood of them being defeated on stuff, obviously. Yeah. But the, on the big... St- there's some stuff that I don't think they'll be too worried about, but, the, but obviously the Customs Union is, is going to put the fear of God into Theresa May because she has said... Uh, and again, um, you know, me and Steve have just touched on this as well. She mm. has said all the way through that we are leaving the customs union, um, and that doesn't seem to be something the Lords want to do. No, it's in, it'll be interesting to, um, as you say, it's happening as we're recording, but see the outcome of the um, motion in the Commons today on frictionless post-Brexit trade borders and etc., and how that all plays into it. Because I think it'll give a bit of an indication about how those potentially more soft MPs in the Commons are feeling. Yeah, and how and another thing about the Lords is that they can they they have in the past empowered those wavering MPs. Exactly, yeah. And um, it and might I, give them the kind of push they need. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that, that is that is that'll be a major a major fear as well. Yeah. Um okay, so on the whole, we're happy with the Lords. They're doing their they're doing their job. Yeah, I quite like the Lords. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of cuddly as well, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I love it when they dress up for a state opening of Parliament. I like it when they fall asleep. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean... It's, it's a bit like everyone's granddad and grandma, isn't it? They're not all old. Oh, I know, they? I know. They're all old. And some debates go on a long time, and it's hot in that chamber. I know, know I know. And, they, and those seats look quite comfy in the Lords, not so much in the Commons. No, they do those nice red yeah, benches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Okay, Jerry. thank you very much for that. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. Steve, crown of Brexiteer of the Week. Uh, there's a lot of competition this week, so I will be brief. Uh, should we start with Nigel Farage, the nicotine-stained yeah. manfrog? Yes, please. Uh, did you? By the way, did you see Nigel Farage at that... He was at the... Him and Aaron Banks were at the um, Queen's birthday concert in the Albert Hall. They well, went along to that. Really? They did, yeah. And I wonder whether it's because he knew he's just a big fan of Shaggy. Um, it was what on the could, bill, wasn't it? If you love Shaggy, yeah. there's only one thing you can add to make Shaggy even better. Go on. Sting? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Shaggy and Sting together for the first time. What madness. What madness is that? But if it, I like the idea that he's a big fan of Shaggy, who was on who was on the bill, who was, part, who was partly responsible for the massive rise of hate crime after the referendum. It wasn't me. He could do all of those, couldn't he? Anyway, um, Nigel Farage. He used to, Nigel Farage used to campaign for St George's Day, which passed this week, yeah. uh, to be a bank holiday. But he's got a new wheeze, hasn't he? And he said he wants um, a, a bank holiday. We should. He said we should have a bank holiday on the twenty third of June, Brexit Day. And we should celebrate that in all four corners of the United Kingdom. And I think that's a fantastic idea. And I think Nigel Farage should go and meet the people of Northern Ireland, which voted by a margin of 12% to stay, 
and uh, and he should go to Scotland where people voted by a margin of 24% to remain and he should explain to them why we should have a, uh, a Brexit day bank holiday. Yeah, he's sounding a bit Jeremy Corbyn offering all his new holidays. He's he? a, he, absolutely. Well, he's only offering one, isn't he? Corbs. Yeah, but Corbs, Corbs is offering, offering four. four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what we need. Four new bank holidays. He, I'm not a populist, says Jeremy Corbyn, as he tells everyone they can have six weeks off a year. Yeah. Local elections next week, um, which we will be talking about uh, in great detail on next week's podcast. Um, I just want to mention a couple of UKIP candidates. One is a guy called Simon Breeden. He's standing in the Nether Main Ward in Basildon for UKIP. He put out a meeting. Uh, he put out a meeting. He put out a leaflet. Um, saying that uh, the council was in disgrace and he should uh, join the council because the council had rearranged a public meeting. They'd had to shut down a sports centre to do so and it had cost the taxpayer £500,000. And everyone who got this leaflet said, um, well, that's not quite right, is it? That sounds like quite a lot to shut down a sports centre for like half a day. And he, he, he's now said it was a schoolboy error and a typo. I th- presumably he's saying his little finger slipped on his <laughs> keyboard. And instead of £500,000, he'd put an extra note in, and it, the actual cost was £50,000. And meanwhile, the council say it was actually £20,000 at the most. But anyway, uh, just a little matter of um, £450,000 out there. Uh, Mike Whitehead, he's another guy. You might remember Mike Whitehead, actually. He was... In 2015, I think it was, he was hailed as a defector from the Tories to UKIP. He was going to be a Tory party candidate uh, in West Hull and Hessel. Uh, And UKIP announced that he defected just before the the 2015 general election. He defected from the Tories to UKIP. And then the Tories actually explained that he'd been kicked out uh, a week earlier by the Tories. Um, Mike Whitehead is standing in Derringham Ward in Hull. Uh, for UKIP, and it must be fascinating for him at home um, because two of his opponents are, on the 3rd of May, are Lucy Whitehead and Eleanor Whitehead, and they are both Tories, the party that he was removed from, and both of them are his daughters. Hmm. Um, So hustings around the breakfast table. (laughs) Um, Paul Dacre, the editor of the Daily Mail. Uh, Mr Dacre, Mr Dacre to you. Uh, He is, uh, well... I mean, a, a, a remarkable leader column on Tuesday, even by Paul Dacre's standards. Now, back in December, when Anna Soubry came out and said that she had been receiving death threats, abuse on social media, Twitter and Facebook, people were saying that she should be hanged as a traitor, um, and she was uh, trying. To, she was linking this to um, articles in the Daily Mail uh, and stuff, calling her a traitor. Anyway, uh, a Daily Mail spokesman back in December said, "No one has been more ex- outspoken than the Daily Mail in condemning the viciousness of social media, and in particular the threats and the abuse directed at politicians of all parties." Um, so the Daily Mail there in December coming out against saying that Anna Soubry is a traitor. Uh, Tuesdays. Male leader, uh, written or by or authorised by or dictated by Paul Dacre, presumably. Tory remainers such as Anna Soubry must think where their true loyalties lie. They vehemently object to being branded traitors. Uh, but if they usher in a Labour government, that is exactly what their party and most of the country will think of them, and rightly so. <laughs> so, not a traitor, not okay to call her a traitor. Actually, she is quite a traitor after all. Jacob Rees Mogg. 
is this week's runner-up. Uh, I mentioned earlier on his bizarre uh, sort of gangster uh, uh, turn of phrase about burning down the House of Lords. But he is funny. He isn't funny. He's, he's a funny man. He's just a tosser, isn't he? <laughs> who? So we talked earlier on. We started, didn't we? Uh, who? Who would you blame for Windrush? Would you blame Theresa May, Amber Rudd, or Home Office civil servants? Who would you blame? Uh, I think it's a. I think it's a. Um, a rather messy. Go on, name one. Who would you blame? Uh, it's uh, the most. Who's the most to blame? I think probably Theresa May. Shall I give you a clue? Yeah. That's not what Jacob oh, Rees-Mogg no, said. No. Uh, he said it was people like you and me. Who oh yeah. Blame. Oh, well, you didn't give me that option. That would have been the obvious one. He said that the the Windrush scandal is all the fault of uh, Europhiles like you and me and you, dear New European reader. He said we are not the sort of country that demands to see your papers, but I'm afraid pro-Europeans think we should be. This is Jacob Rees-Mogg who wants tighter controls on immigration, yeah. by the way. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, pro-Europeans buy into the EU-style relationship between in- the individual and the state, uh, it's a shift to the state being powerful and the individual being weak. What's what that that's got to do with Windrush no and the price of chips? I don't know, but it's nice to know that it's uh, instead of Theresa May, Home Office civil servants, Amber Rudd. It's actually us that are guilty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the good news for you, Richard, for me, and for all our listeners out there is that there'll be since we are guilty and we are to blame for the Windrush scandal. The good news is that there will be absolutely no consequence for this. We won't have to resign because nobody else uh, has had the balls <laughs> to resign. The Brexiteers of the week are the Clopposition. The Clopposition, very good. People who had a strop about Jurgen Klopp saying in a Guardian interview that we should have a second referendum. He's had a good week, Jurgen, hasn't he? He has had a good apart from apart this. From the, apart from those two, two apart goals, from two yeah. late goals, yeah. yeah. I'm a big Liverpool fan. Liverpool, I'm a big Liverpool fan, rather. But Jurgen Klopp is an idiot," said at Callum G48. What hmm. the G48 stands for? At uh, at Turfline said on Twitter, "I was hoping that Liverpool would win the European Cup, but now I hope Liverpool get thrashed out of sight." And the uh, <laughs> and, and in the Daily Express comments, there was a, a huge, uh, a, a long thread about how. Um, the Premier League should employ more British managers after Brexit and people uh. like Jurgen Klopp could go home. Uh, and uh, just a remarkable thing. The, the, so the, the Klopp position are the Brexiteers of the week and as the old song goes, they're Brexit crazy, they're Brexit <laughs> mad, that Brexit game has taken away the little bit of sense they had. Very the position, the Brexiteers of the week. Fantastic. Um, what should the listener... Do right now. Steve. Leave us lovely reviews and loads of stars on your podcatching weapon of choice. Uh, you can follow the New European on Twitter at the New European. Come and visit our site. We've got live news uh, going up all the time. Live news and uh, opinion pieces. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at uh, Sanglesey S A N G L E S E Y. You can follow me at Porritt P O R R I T. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. The paper's on sale now. It's priced £2.50. Um, there's politics, of course. There's Brexit. But there's also lots of culture, lots of art, all kinds of interesting things in there as well. We'll be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.